Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yes, sir. Welcome back to another episode of the Trap Dive podcast provided to you by 214 Media and Hogs Haven. I am your host, Molly Mall, Coach Mall, Hendog Mall, Jamal, all that good stuff, man. In here with the good man, AJ. AJ, how you feeling, big dog? I'm good, man. Can't complain. That's good, bruh. That's good. Um, I are you what do you what you got going on tomorrow, bro? It's a random, so like I've been, I don't know why I've been making this this weather day make it seem like it's the best day ever. An 80 degree day, and then like two days, not even the, the next day we get 40 degrees, and then after that it's 30 degrees. But I feel like everybody about to be outside tomorrow. And and knowing you, 
I had to take a guess. Hey, if AJ me. is healthy, he's gonna be outside. You calling me an outsider? Look, man, I'm just I'm just saying, I'm just saying you like socializing, you know what I'm saying? I think that's the right yeah. way to say it. Uh not not as much lately, but I think tomorrow, depending on if the sun comes up with the temperature, uh probably probably grab lunch or something by the water. And then uh later yeah, on the maybe going. In, indulge in some uh I don't know about the hookah, because they really that's the one thing in this area we don't really have like hookah spots with like an outdoor vibe. I'm actually in the process of trying to open something of that nature in the area. Um, but yeah, I think just maybe, you know, Navy Yard, the wharf, get lunch and then later on maybe uh do a happy hour or something. Ah. It just depend on it. Just it just depend on if the sun gonna come up for real. Like I see it's eighty, but I actually travel next week, so I just been kind of staying low key, not trying okay. to expose myself too much. I'm going to Columbia next next uh, Wednesday. Columbia, I'm yeah. jealous as hell, bro. I'd have heard I'd have heard a couple of things about Columbia. <laughs> oh, I mean, oh, it's some beautiful some beautiful women out there. Uh, the our currency definitely goes a long way out there. It's like mm-hmm. you, you can get a five course meal for like twelve dollars, bro. Like um, even the the lodging is very cheap. Like you can stay in a four or five star hotel for for like eighty dollars a night. Uh, we for got real? an Airbnb. Yeah, you ever stayed in a hotel? Is this at a resort? Oh, say that again. Is that at a resort? Nah, that's just like a standalone hotel. I don't really think they have resorts in Medellin or however you say it. I think maybe they got a couple like resorts in Cartagena, uh, but it's my brother's uh, 33rd birthday. So like it's me and my cousins. We, this is our first time going on a real cousin's trip. So uh, it's about to be interesting as hell because these these. Negroes, What's your expectations, bro? What's your expectations like going into it? What do you think? Oh, man. I low-key been, <laughs> stressing, I been stressing in my mind all week because it's so many different personalities, you know, like, and we're all of a certain age. And one of my cousins in particular, he hasn't officially been on the trip with me, but he's been in the same city as me at the same time. And his vibe was completely different than my vibe and my crew's vibe, like, and this particular trick, I had men and women on the trip. And it's like, he just, I don't know. But I already heard some things from what he told my brother. And I'm like, oh, man, I know we're going to have to put some uh, some house rules together. That man over here stressing out, bro. He's like, don't fuck this up for us, man. Nah, I just, I mean, you go to a foreign land, you know, we, we all family at the end of the day. But it's just. You gotta you gotta be mindful, especially like I said, everybody intention is different. Some people really yeah. going to indulge into the culture, because um, like a lot of people don't understand that it's heavily African rooted in Colombia overall, like heavily based in the Afro Latina culture. Um, some people going for the food, some people going for the the badass women that look like they could be the the leading lady in a Drake music video. <laughs> some people going. For everything, so it's just you know it'll be interesting, but I'll I'll definitely uh keep you guys in tune. Uh, shit, it's crazy. We don't even follow each other on uh, Instagram, man. Y'all, hey, Chad, I don't have everybody. They told me they ain't had no Instagram. Oh, no, that's not true. I got a, I got an IG. I'm in my close friends with it. 
what's your what's your Instagram, it's, bro? It's it's just my name, just like my my Twitter without the junior. All right, go ahead, I'll definitely be on IG with it. Be some. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I don't have. I'll worry about this shit later. Um, I'll worry about it later. All right. So first of all, let me check in with Dre. My bad, Dre. Man, what's going on with you, Clay? How you feeling? I'm good, man. Shit, happy to be back. How um how little man do yesterday? Uh, it was uh practice yesterday. He, he's getting better, man. He's getting better and better weekly. I keep telling him, man, it ain't gonna happen overnight, man. It's gonna happen with work. And he putting the work in, so he's getting better. Is he he's frustrated, or you were more so just trying to uh, he, he was yeah, he, he was being frustrated in the beginning, like oh, you know, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. I'm like, dog, you're 12, you're 11, 12 years old, like you're gonna get better, you know what I'm saying? Like this the, I love that sign from him though. Yeah, let's, you know what I'm let's find out Dre out here in LeVar Ball. <laughs> hey, I'm trying to be a millionaire like him if I can. Shit, man. I don't got enough boys, though. I only got one boy. Hey, look, man. <laughs> I, I'm about to go over you some advice. Like I'm a like I'm a parent. I ain't no parent, so let me stay out of that. Um, okay, on the show today, as you all know, man, Grant Paulson is checking in. He should be checking in uh within the next few minutes. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and chop it up with him about Eric the enemy. Um, some things about uh obviously Rivera and, and his current standing and just get pick his brain about everything commanders uh as it stands today with um the team Rivera ownership things like that of that nature uh but fellas this is our first time kind of discussing it uh live on Chopper Dive obviously we we had an idea that the enemy was going to be the OC that was our prediction all of our predictions um last week when we did our show uh now that it's official uh Overall thoughts on the enemy, but um, maybe if we have time on the front end, we can squeeze in um, some of the, the conversations surrounding his name, which uh, is very frustrating. Uh, we talked about it earlier today, but uh, I want to tap into that too. So uh, y'all got the floor. What's your thoughts on the enemy now that he's in Washington? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for the enemy, the opportunity. Um, you know, I think for the first time in a long time, We'll see uh, actual NFL ran offense. Um, some of the things that some people say are, some people say it's a strong suit. Some people think that some may not take well to it, which is Eric Bieniemy being a, a hard coacher, being on top of uh, on top of his players to do things the right way and make sure that they execute properly is exactly what this team needs, especially on the offensive side of the ball. It was too many times in games under the ten, uh, the tenureship of Scott Turner. This team was not prepared, um, especially in the red zone. Uh, it just seemed like they did not work on these, these plays during the week at all. It was like it was the first attempt whenever they went for it. Um, I think that will go a long way for guys like, you know, Terry McLaurin, uh, Jihad Dotson, and fortunately for Washington, they've uh, put a lot of guys on the offensive side of the ball that have come from winning cultures and programs, whether it be the Penn State's, the Ohio State's, the Bama's, whatever the case is. So they're kind of used to that type of coaching anyways. Um, yeah, like I said, man, I'm excited to see a professional offense, um, a coach that will adapt to the team that they're playing week in, week out, instead of just trying to force feed their scheme system whatever the hell it is and, and and just really you know coach the team overall 
Um, you know, the one thing that I'm still curious about, and I guess when Grant, uh, when Grant comes on here, we'll talk about a little bit more. I'm I'm not sold on Sam Howell's situation. I'm not sold on him being QB1. Um, I think that something is brewing. We kind of touched on it earlier when we had our, our um, interview with Jason Lockafor that will be out uh, soon. Uh, I just don't see the Sam Howell thing as being the the Bible or gospel, as some people would say. Um, but overall, man, I'm excited for him. I just want the fans to stop really engaging with all the the negative analysts, whether it be TV personalities, former players, not even former players, but former player. <laughs> you know, just just let him cook. Like, just let him do his thing. Monty, Greg, appreciate y'all checking in. Everybody that is checking in right now, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so. If you listen on the podcast side, if you haven't given it uh, a chance yet, get the, the rating and review out the way. We appreciate it for sure, Drake. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before the hiring that I think this was the best case scenario for Ron Rivera to land someone like Eric Bieniemy because um, in Ron's situation, as we talked about, Ron's on thin ice. You know, Ron could be coaching for his career or his job at this point. And who better to get as your office coordinated than someone that's also in the same mindset, but he's fighting to get a job. You know, he's fighting to get the dream job, the job he's always wanted. So you got two guys here that have essentially at this point in their careers, nothing to lose, but everything to gain. So, you know, to get a guy like that on the same page, with you as an office coordinator and coming from the, you know, established chief system where they had a lot of success. I know a lot of people attribute that to Andy and uh, Mahomes, but <laughs> Eric Bieniemy was there for years, and as Jason LaConfora said earlier, you know he wasn't just sitting there twiddling his thumbs. He was there helping. I mean, he was he was a part of that success. So you have to attribute some of it, some of it to him. So this, you know, was pretty much the superstar hire on the market. And again, it aligns with Ron and what he wants. And for me as a fan, I'm intrigued. I mean, but it's the cautious optimism because, you know, we've seen so many people in and out, whether it's offensive coordinators, head coaches, general managers, whatever the case may be, we've seen them all. And we've always been disappointed at the end. So this is cautious optimism, but it's intriguing because for me, I look at a personality like Eric Bieniemy, and you hear the stories about him. And I think that we haven't had a personality like that in this building as a head coach, or not, not as just a head coach, but as a coach in general, since Marty Schottenheimer. Marty Schottenheimer had that personality that I thought was going to change the culture around here. And I think his fire and signified what we were in for in the Dan Snyder era. And Eric Bieniemy seems to have that Marty Schottenheimer type of coaching in him where, you know, hey, I'm going to get on you regardless of who you are. You're going to do things my way. And this is how it's going to be done. And I expect this out of you. Now, some people are going to weed themselves out. And that's cool. That's probably what this organization needs. You need to weed out the weak ones. So the people that's left, if they're still there, they're going to play hard for him, it seems like, you know, and they're going to be prepared. So that's what I'm intrigued about with Eric. I don't know how much uh, this is going to lead to success or winning in Ron's year, but I thought this was the hire that, you know, Ron needed to make, or this was the one that was going to actually get fans, anybody or every all of the fans intrigued with this hire. Hey, just let me add on real quick. You know what's crazy with all the commentary that we're getting about EB and maybe kind of being like the Marty Schneiderheimers and keeping people accountable. What's that? The OC, the OC personality sounds more like a head coach, don't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
it does and it was this video that i saw earlier today um where let me see if i actually have it in my bookmarks because if i do i'll play it um, it was uh the nfl films with yes him and adrian peterson, adrian peterson. Oh, it's so that. crazy because i've seen that as as like a younger individual and i was like hey man well, he's keeping that he keeping that boy in line like yeah even though he's top dog play coming for, out of college for those yeah, let me see that while we seen got it. some time yeah. yep we're gonna go ahead and run, run it right now share my screen and boom okay we gotta go back to audio good make sure yes you know, okay. all right here we go we gotta go back to day one teaching you know we talk about football we're talking about inside zone footwork reads you know our alignments our assignments reteaching everything from day one as if he's never heard it again on top of that fellas we will have a third and seven to ten period okay which still we got to expect what blitz. blitz they don't blitz now we get out okay i've always been taught professionals are the ones who go out and do the little things and do them great on the days that they don't feel like doing it no detail escapes the enemy's eye and he's never shy about demanding the best to work tirelessly at becoming even better yesterday we ran a man route i'm in a zone route first man today i ran man man route in zone i, was, I, was, I thought we went back to the last play that's what i was that thinking play. why that play. I, I, I thought we went back to the last play. Nah, bro, we ain't go back to the last okay, play. Okay, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Well, they said in the huddle, didn't okay. they? That's what I thought. Since we've been together, it's like a marriage. The bottom line, we got to make it work. I'm just telling you what we want through my mind, because the last play was clearly a bust. What do you call the huddle? I'm just telling you what I was thinking, okay? Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. What do you call the huddle? It's all right. What do you call the huddle? All right, whatever. What are you All right, I'm telling you what I was thinking, man. Okay. I don't care what you were thinking. What did he call? All right. What did he call? I don't know. He can cuss me out. I swear I have to say. And maybe five, ten seconds later, you know, we sitting there talking back, you know, to each other, you know, talking, communicating like nothing, you know, ever happened. Get past it, refocus, regroup. Come here. I'm good. No, I'm not. Come here. Fake 97 power, naked right, full back slide. We want to sell that thing with outside. Whenever we have an argument, we always make sure that, hey, by the end of the day, we're going to resolve it. We're going to move on and move forward. So listen, man, first off, um, like what AJ said, like having that bark in a good way, having that bark be like, hey, bruh, I don't care who you are. You my boy. But I'm not about to let that be a slide. I'm not about to let that one little slip up snowball into something where you're always falling down this avenue of not being able to 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 get over this one mistake this one mistake in your career uh that's probably going to hinder you um and, and just extrapolate that and figure out like the more things that he's capable of from an accountability standpoint and from a, a leadership standpoint from a mentorship standpoint that's incredible aj i wanted to add on to something that you were saying it's two things actually the first thing is um you said, and, and I somewhat agree with you, but I think that we do have to acknowledge it. You mentioned that, you know, we should be, we should like turn a blind eye, like, or just let the people slide in terms of like the, the negativity that, that's being spewed about Eric the enemy. Um, and, and to an extent, I agree with you because that's what I generally believe. Like some of that BS doesn't matter. But then like, when you think about the context of these are players who played in the league, um, who has an opinion on this guy, 
who is clearly misinformed and in the minority, like those are the people that you have to pay attention to because why would I trust anything that they say? But first off, uh, not only that, like I think that when you when you go to that extreme to to make your points, right? Um, we're talking about Deshaun McCoy. I'm even talking about uh, Emmanuel Acho. Um, I'm talking about those two in particular. I've seen other comments from uh, Eric Bieniemy. I'm actually not Eric Bieniemy. I'm sorry I, uh, about Eric Bieniemy. I've seen them uh, from Charles Woodson. Uh, I've seen them from uh, um, Teddy Bruschi um, questioning why would he leave Washington to go to Can? I mean, why would he leave Kansas City to go to Washington? Uh, they don't even have the same team speed or a, a receiver uh, compared to Kansas City. I'm like, Teddy Bruschi, like, do you even hear what you're saying? Like, you think that the Washington receivers are the problem or are not comparable to Kansas City? That's incredible. It's incredibly stupid. And and it's unfortunate because you're a former NFL player. You know better, but you put yourself in that spotlight. Um, And then you have LaShawn McCoy saying, like, uh, more volatile information and more volatile things. Like, those are things that should be put on a pedestal in terms of, like, we need to point the finger at these guys and say, what are y'all doing? And, and, and. Do you know how far ba- far off you are? Because a lot of people who spoke out from a player's perspective were on opposition of LaShawn McCoy. Um, and, and a lot of people questioned the, the intent and motives of, of, of another person in Acho. Um, those things, uh, I think, that really needs to, to kind of dive into. Now, whether or not you agree in terms, excuse me, my bad, whether or not you question if Eric Bieniemy can get the job done or not is one thing. But don't make it sound like the opportunity in Washington was uh, a stupid one to take uh, leaving from Kansas city. When you have all the opportunity in front of you to run your own ship in Washington, right? You have your own opportunity to uh, create a name for yourself. That's far away from Andy Reed. You have a new quarterback, right? You have no Patrick Mahomes. You have no offensive genius that's going to be in the hall of fame. And whenever he retires, you don't have those things. And I think this opportunity for, for Eric Bieniemy, like, think about it. Five years, bro. This man was offensive coordinator for five years, surrounded by three future Hall of Famers. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kills. You mean to tell me that that man ain't learned shit? Y'all telling me y'all, y'all really questioning the fact that this man, over five years as the offensive coordinator, he's been there for longer. You telling me that he don't know anything? Or that he's incapable of learning anything. Whatever was going on in the NFL when it came to the 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 treatment of Eric Bieniemy over these last couple years was incredibly uh, uh, foolish. It was incredibly um, coded, um, and 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 coded in the sense of like we from the outside we have an idea of of one of the factors, right? Uh, race being one, but we don't know the other factors involved. But it's nothing. I I I I I would say. Whatever the issues are with the enemy is a very small, very small faction of what the truth is. Like you, you don't have this resume, and 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 nobody wants you. It's just flat out the case. Nobody, nobody wants you. That's BS. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I guess why I say I, I said what I said is because like I've also sat in these production meetings of these type of shows, whether it be the first takes. I've sat in the room with Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless pre-production, um, 
even at Fox, like there was a point in time when client D'Angelo Hall was presented the opportunity before Josh Norman to be a part of their their show weekly during the season. You know, we ended up turning it down just because they didn't want to be back and forth that much. So I know how these shows go about trying to make some of these personalities, characters. I chose one of them and they're doing the same with Shady McCoy as he's trying to get his feet wet within the TV world. Cause I mean, when he, when even I, I don't watch the show, but whenever clips come oh, on man, Twitter, it. it's like nothing he says is in depth. It doesn't really tell me anything. It's just more so, damn, can we curse again on the show? I, I just like you can <laughs> okay. He's he like spread it out, spread it out, bro. Because I was about yeah. to, I was about to say something, but yeah, he's more so he's more so like the hood barbershop dude that that just runs his mouth but never has real facts. Just thinks that everything they say is factual. Like I was gonna say something completely different, but that's that's more so how shady is, and I I know shady, and I just feel like. Whatever personal vendetta you got towards EB, you know they need to have that. He gonna let it go. They gonna have to have that discussion probably. But this is an opportunity for him in his media career to be able to latch on to an individual like that. That's a headline and continue to put this narrative using his experience of being there for one season as the say all be all. Yeah, it, it it was 2019. You feel me? Like we're years removed from that. Like. At the end of the day, if Eric the enemy ain't know nothing and he wasn't good at his job or he was putting people in bad situations, Andy Reid wouldn't keep him around to destroy that that empire. For five years. Or, yeah, that organization that they're running. Like even earlier today, I watched something, LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and whoever their host is, dude says, oh, I believe that um, there's a beef between Patrick Mahomes and EB because he hasn't – Patrick Mahomes, why hasn't he came out and tweeted – or anything in defense of Eric Bieniemy. Why does he need to do that? Like he knows the truth. He he got to prove a point to you. You some there unknown interviews radio talking host. about he needs the opportunity. Yeah, you an unknown radio host. So it's just like we focus. We're focusing a lot on EB, but overall, it's just a a dynamic in the NFL where these owners really have to do a better job of hiring minorities. And then also players need to speak up more for these minority coaches as well. That's why it's disheartening to see Shady McCoy rant on about Eric Bieniemy for four or five minutes and then say at the end, you know, but, you know, I want to see black coaches win out here and do good. Uh, you know, it's not too many times you see a running back coach get elevated to OC or even head coach, you know, besides Anthony Lynn. But, you, you know, I really, want, I, I, I really want the best for Eric Bieniemy. You can't you can't say that after you then tore him down for the last four or five minutes before you even get to that point. So it's like you're not even you're not even keeping it factual. You're not even saying nothing in this soliloquy that you provided. You just bashing this man off away, and then you got another uh, dummy, Acho, just saying, "Well, I mean, he did he did play he did play with him, and you know, see, you know, we kind of got to <laughs> we kind of got to listen. Player. We kind of got to listen to him. Former play, they played for the Chiefs, won the Super Bowl in right. 2019. You know, we got to rock with it, and you know, because even even with Acho, like he said some comment that was wild for me, and I'm. Like just what last week he said something about like 
Africans don't experience the same type of. Oh yeah, the podcast. Like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm African, dog. Like, wait, yeah. what are you talking about? We all black. Hey, can't nobody just look at somebody and just be like, oh, you African? Like some people may try to do that, and it, I don't know. Overall, yeah. man, they just playing to a certain audience. It's Fox. It's FS1. They trying to keep up with ESPN. They trying to get viewership. They trying to get this clickbait. And uh, that's why I'm saying, man, some of that stuff you just got to ignore. Teddy Bruschi, most of these analysts don't watch games. They just see the highlights. They don't really know what's going on. They don't even understand who's on certain rosters, whatever. They just know the main teams that they talk about all the damn time, which is the Chiefs and mainly the Cowboys. But they don't really know NFL teams in and out. So they just blat out whatever, and they just get their checks. It's kind of like Mel Kuyper. He does all these mock drafts. Ask Mel, when's the last time he's been to an actual combine? When has he actually been to a pro day? <laughs> like, this man don't go to no combine. I, I, I he don't know. go to no pro days. I'm just saying. But it's like he he's he's gospel for a lot of Let's people with these mocks and stuff. But, you know, it's just that's just how TV works. And that's how they keep you engaged. It happens right here in our own local market with the junkies. They they blat out a whole bunch of BS so they can keep these ratings in, have people tune in, and keep selling to their advertisers. All right. Um Dakota, don't be doing that, bro. Come here. Let's go ahead and get let's go ahead and get the good man Grant Paulson in. Um Grant is joining us right now. There we go. Uh Grant. Uh, is as as most know, um, does radio for the the Grant and Danny show, co-host as well uh, for 106.7 The Fan. Grant, man, appreciate you checking in. How you feeling, big dog? Yeah, my my pleasure. How you guys doing? Look, man, we're all right. We're doing all right over here. We're over here trying to. Well, we haven't even touched the the whole the meat on the bone with, with Eric Bieniemy. We we just got into the sur- uh, the surface level. So I guess we can we can start everything the conversation with you. Um, I remember on Twitter. I think the day of, if not maybe the day before they were expected to hire him, you had just mentioned that um, the enemy was a major gift for the commanders. Um, and uh, let's let's flush out those thoughts. Like, what are your overall thoughts on on Eric Bieniemy, and, and what does it mean for Washington? Yeah, I don't know how anybody wouldn't think of this as a huge win for them. I mean, guys don't leave organizations like Kansas City to come to places like D.C. very often. And what I mean by that is, you got a Chiefs team that is going to be winning for the next several years. I mean, there's no reason to believe they just won with Mahomes taking up a more salary cap than any team has ever won a Super Bowl with a quarterback taking up a cap. The hit has already happened with his contract. So it's not going to change considerably in the next few years. I think they can win another two, three rings in the next five, six years. He could stay there in perpetuity and keep winning. Uh, the, the problem is obviously he wants a head coaching job. And for some reason, Now, even though Doug Peterson, even though Matt Nagy got the job, people in the NFL want to see him go run his own shop, so to speak, go uh, run his own offense. So the stars aligned for Washington to be able to lure him in. But my point on that was I just think guys like this aren't available for this lateral move. And I know it's not technically lateral because he's going to be calling plays because he's the assistant head coach now. But to get a coordinator to leave a building where he's a two-time champ, with one of the best quarterbacks in the league to come to your building so that he can call plays for you. It just doesn't happen. So I've seen people popping off saying things like, well, you don't know how involved he was or 
that they're nervous about him without Andy Reid. The worst thing that could possibly happen is it doesn't work out and they're bad on offense. So what? They've been bad already on been, offense. Yep. <laughs> they got that covered. You know what I mean? So I, I just think this was a no-brainer. I'm really pumped. It's the kind of move at coordinator they haven't really been able to pull off in a while. There was a time where they had some really sharp up-and-coming guys that have gone on other places now and had a lot of success. But the last several years, this offense has been bad. It's been unexciting. It's been kind of antiquated. It's just not fun to watch. So I'm fired up for it. I'm excited to see what kind of staff he can put together, which he's already working on. Well, Grant, let me ask you real quick. Do you think that Ron went into this hire thinking this is a shield for me, you know, with the ownership looming, the questions about that? Because if he would have promoted someone like Zampezi, I think that's possibility. He may not have been here for 2023. So do you think that this hiring was like a, a sort of sort of a shield for Ron? It's a good point. Um, I don't know if I would say a shield. I get what you're saying. Like to me. Number one, I, th I think it's a good hire for Ron because he has to win right away. He doesn't have the option, in my opinion, of going under 500 again next year with Dan staying or a new owner, which I think is going to happen. doesn't matter who owns the team. If you go sub 500 or 500 or worse over four seasons, you're not coming back for a fifth year. And especially if there's a new owner who's coming in here, you know what Sean Payton said, right? Prospective owners reached out to him. Talk to him about the possibility of coaching the team already. Those guys are going to want to get their own people in here, their own GM, their own head coach, pick their own players. So Ron's going to have to win to stave off the dogs, so to speak. Like the only way to keep his gig is to win. So it's a good hire for Ron Rivera because he had to get the best possible coordinator and to go to, to Kansas City's building. Let's say the enemy doesn't do anything, which I don't agree with. But let's just say hypothetically, it's all Andy Reid. You should still be hiring Eric Bieniemy to be your coordinator and call your plays. Because if you just stand next to Andy Reid for five years, you should get pretty damn good at being a coordinator, right? I mean, you, or at least see what it looks like to be really, really good. And, and I don't actually think he does nothing. I think he's actually extremely involved all week and just doesn't happen to call the plays on game day. But what I, I will agree with you on in terms of the shield aspect is I think for Rivera, and this is my personal opinion, having been around him now for whatever this was, three plus years. I do think he cares a lot about perception. I think he cares a lot about what, like, is said in the media, what fans think. And I do think he knew that the enemy hire would be huge with the fan base. I think he knew they'd love it, right or wrong, that, that people like I am are going to be excited about the possibility of their offense getting a lot better. It kind of turns the page, right, on the narrative. Scott Turner, um, the fact that they, they, they bombed out on Wentz, that they made the wrong decision, that it didn't work out, that, Midway through the final week of the year, they weren't sold on Hal. Like right away you go, okay, we're rolling with Hal. Well, now we're not talking about Wentz or the offseason anymore. We're talking about the excitement of Sam Howell. And I think they kind of did the same thing with going and getting enemy. So I kind of think it was maybe strategic in that way a little bit. But so what? If, if that's what it took, fine. I mean, they, they got a guy who's going to come in here. I mean, let's just face this. If really it was, I thought it was Zampezi versus Shermer until the enemy thing kind of popped up. That's night and day, guys. Yeah. Like, would you have been excited about a retread like a, a Zampezi or a Shermer? No. How could you be? But you get Eric Bieniemy, and right or wrong, it feels like you're dipping into the, the Kansas City Chiefs offense, man. I know we don't get Mahomes and Kelsey, but you got a chance to get better quick, possibly. So it's just a, it's a different world. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're definitely right. I just don't know if it's a PR spin move, but early in the cycle when we knew that they fired Scott Turner, 
I immediately told my my co-host, this is going to be a diversified pool of guys that they interview. And when I said that, meaning more so like minorities, if you pay attention to who they interview, most of the candidates were minority candidates. It seems like something is going on. I don't know if the NFL is, is, is pushing that with this franchise, but I've never seen that many minority candidates get interviewed for an OC job in my duration of being an NFL fan. Uh, so that was pretty interesting. Now, Grant, my question for you is, you just kind of brought it up. Sam Howe has never really been mentioned as the guy or someone with <laughs> so much promise uh, of being possibly QB1. We knew that they felt like they had a great value pick fifth round of a guy that, you know, was projected once a first round pick the year before. But we also know the debacle that happened on the local side. The national media doesn't really understand this but on the local side week 18 versus the Cowboys with nothing to gain from it. We were told that Taylor Heineke would be starting the first half and Sam Howe would be starting the second half. <clears throat> We've now learned from radio Row Taylor Heineke's interviews with, uh, I, it was, I think it was Pat McAfee. He even confirmed yeah, that they came out to him. Ron asked him to start that week. And he kind of said, you know, I think you should give Sam Howe the chance. And we know why, because he's upcoming free agency. Why would I want to put my body on the line going against Michael Parsons and them boys <laughs> the last game of the year when I'm about to head into free agency and possibly move on from the scene? So when all of that is said and done, now you have Brian Rivera telling us, the fan base, that Sam Howe's QB number one. Do you trust that? Or do you believe that they, with with quarterback options out there, such as the yeah. Aaron Rodgers, the Lamar Jacksons, the Derek Carrs, and even some possible uh, QBs in round one, do you truly believe that come September, week one, Sam Howe is going to be the starting quarterback for this franchise? I do. Yeah, I really do. And it's be, it, it, you know, I hate to say it doesn't have a lot to do with Sam Howe, but I think they've changed their mind on how to go get their quarterback. Like I think the Wentz thing burned them so bad that they don't want to play that game again. I think they thought they were getting something. Let's not forget Fitzpatrick before that, right? Yeah. They thought they found this like bridge, stop gap, 4,000 yard, 27 touchdown QB for a year. It blew up in their face in week one. The next year they go, okay, we got to go with the shirt thing. We got to find a guy who can help us if we're ball controlled, make big plays vertically, spread the field and sling the ball around a little more. We, we got to get a higher ceiling QB. So they pay almost $28 million a year against the cap. They go get Carson Wentz, right? That blows up in their face. So I think what they've decided is the guys that are available, you're still paying the premium money, but you don't get the premium results, really. This is your Jimmy Garoppolo, Derek Carr types. And I am fine with those guys in the right situation, right? I mean, I'm not a big Garoppolo guy necessarily, but point being, like, in, in the right situation with the right weapons around them, those are win with guys. You're not going to win because of them, but you can win with them. But – they're paying a crazy amount of money that makes it really hard to win with them. And I think they've decided, look, we are at our best. This is Rivera's thinking. We're at our best when we're running the ball, playing defense, and Heineke makes a few plays for us, and we win 20 to 13, 17 to 15. We think Sam Howell has a better arm. We think Sam Howell has more mobility. We think Sam Howell can be every bit as good as Heineke next year. 
And if you look at their win-loss record, I'm just thinking like I'm Ron now, with Taylor Heineke, and you go, if we're a little better throwing the ball, a little better with quarterback keepers and nakeds and boots and some of the stuff they want to do in the running game with Hal, why can't this defense, with, by the way, a ton of money to spend if we go with the rookie quarterback, now sophomore on a rookie deal, though, let's spend on the O-line. Let's upgrade. Let's mm-hmm. let's spend what we need to on the defensive line. Let's spend in the secondary, whatever it is. I think that's their plan, and I think they basically view this as they made a mistake last year by trying to upgrade and go spend a ton at quarterback because the difference between the Wentz-Garoppolo types that are available and the Hal Heineke types on their roster might not be as sizable as they want it to be. You're just paying 25, 30 times as much or whatever. So they're going to try to do it the other way where they don't pay anything and they, they surround Hal with weapons and support and they try to win that way. Now, can he play or not? I mean, I know everyone seems to think that one game tells the story. I, I, I still have questions, but I'll tell you this. It, unlike Taylor Heineke, he wasn't an old Dominion. You know what I'm saying? He played really well in the ACC. One year he lights it up with weapons. I mean, you, you've watched the film. You guys have seen it. Like, he was a baller as a passer for a season. They lose a lot of pieces. Now he runs for 100 yards seven times. In a power conference, at a, in a program that's legit, that turns out prospects against teams that are really good. So uh, there's no reason this can't work, in my opinion, but they got to hit on the other stuff that they do with the money that they spend. Yeah, and I, 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 oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think for me, just to add, uh, Grant, it's, it's actually similar to, to the enemy. Like the worst thing that can happen, especially in this particular year, that's, that's so new, unique to, to our area in terms of the Washington, uh, the, the actual the football organization, um, you know, this is like a standalone year because you don't know what's going to happen down the line with Ron Rivera. You don't know what's going to happen down the line with a couple of people in the, the staffing side. You don't know what's going to happen with ownership and how they feel about Ron Rivera or whoever else. And, and for Ron, in a situation where he may want to go for the gusto uh, from AJ's line of thinking, like, let's find a way to get Aaron Rodgers or Lamar or or somebody else. Like, he may be thinking, this is what I want, but his best option may be, Let's ride it out with Sam because the worst thing he can do because we drafted him is not play well. But that's going to be on us to to make sure that he's as as prepared as he can be. But the worst thing he can do is not work out. But at the end of the day, I've I've done this ownership thing before with Carolina. If it don't, if I'm not good, if this team ain't good, I'm probably not going to be around anyway. So let me go with the rookie that I drafted, that I I evaluated, that we evaluated, and let's go on from there. I'm with you, Grant. I know where AJ is because that's that's our guy. Right? Yeah. So we know we know all the time. I know where his head is at, but I'm on the boat of look, my number one option is getting the rookie in there or the second year player that's on a rookie contract. And let's go ahead and build up this this team around him because if he doesn't work out, we're still gonna have a team around whoever the next guy is. Yeah, yeah so 100 I, I agree with almost all that. And the thing I would say too is like so going back to first of all, the rookie contract. It's the most valuable thing you can have in sports, right? Right now and in the NFL. We see it with the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. Now he's gonna end up getting paid bank. I mean, he's gonna make 50 million bucks a year, probably, right? But with what the Eagles have, I want to say his AAV at quarterback was like outside of the top 30 or even close to 40 this year. Like you you're it's just a weapon. It's it's such an awesome thing. It's that's the dream. And but because he wasn't even a first round pick, it's even lower for him. But Sam Howell is to the extreme of that. Like, if you, if, if Howell is any good, if you can win 10 games with Howell next year, 
Like you've hit the lottery in a lot of ways. That idea of that fourth, fifth round pick, and I know it's very rare, and that's why I would bet against him being, you know, a franchise quarterback type who's a, a starter every year putting up 4,000 and close to 30 touchdowns. It just doesn't happen. But if you can do that on his salary, it's it's unbelievably valuable for these next three years. So it's worth a shot. The other thing I would say about the ownership, and I think it's a good point, like this is not how Ron thinks, but this is my own thought. Because Ron can't think this way. But for me, I think the worst thing teams do is a regime will take a quarterback that's about to be blown out. So think about like when Jay Gruden was in a what looked like a lame duck year. They weren't going in the right direction. They're going into their final season. They draft uh, Haskins, right? Uh, tragically, the late Dwayne Haskins. They draft him in the first round. The worst thing that happened was they blew out Jay like five, whatever, whatever that was, shortly into the, the oh, six games, uh, yeah. Haskins tenure, right? Well, if you remember, the next year, like Ron comes in here, he's handed Haskins. Think about if you're Dwayne, like, okay, you, you may not have seen eye to eye with Jay, but that was the guy, that was the crew that drafted you. Now this new staff has no allegiance to you. We've seen it with Justin Fields. Like this happens to quarterbacks all the time. So my least favorite option is, is drafting a guy this year because I, I worry about this staff being gone. And let's just say they really like like Anthony Richardson or, or somebody like that. If the next group comes in here and doesn't like him or doesn't want him, you're right back to the beginning and in square one. So I I kind of like the idea of rolling with how this season. If it works and he's good, that's amazing. You've you've hit the lottery. If he's bad and you lose, then you're you're firing the staff anyway. So it's like your GM and your head coach and your quarterback will all start together. And I'm not rooting for that. That would suck. But if that happens, at least it's on the same line for the first time in forever. Because they always let these staffs three, four years in go grab another quarterback. And now, like, the contracts don't align. So to me, they're actually in a really good spot with a new owner potentially coming in where everyone, if you do this one-year trial run for Hal, is kind of aligned and you would potentially either win and, and now you know you got your guy or you lose and you have a new GM that picks a new head coach that picks a new quarterback, which is frankly just as good, although we'd have to suffer through a year that isn't fun. But, but how many times does an Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson possibly hit the open market to even think of considering adding them to their team? It'd be different if it was last year where you had the Matt Ryans, the Russell Wilsons, Garoppolo's, but we're talking about potential Hall of Famers here, superstars in this league. So that's right. that's my only drawback where it's like, if like, let me ask you a quick question, Grant, like, so that Dre can ask his question. If I told you today you could have Lamar Jackson for three first round picks and maybe give up a player in Montez Sweat, of course, you pay him his fully guaranteed contract of what he wants, similar to Deshaun Watson, to add to this roster to try to win a championship within the next two to three years. But beyond, you'll have your quarterback for the next decade because he's only 24, 25. Would you do it? Yes or no? No, I would not. But for Lamar, it's only because of. Ooh, that looks <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I just don't trust him. To, he hasn't finished either of the last two seasons. So for me to guarantee all that money and the picks like that, it's just too much. Uh, now, if, if you were asking me this right after he won the MVP, which people sleep on, that was like four years ago. He hasn't been that good. He's been good. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's a star. But he hasn't been at that level since. 
But if you ask me, like, the, the if we're having this conversation right after he won MVP, yeah, I'll throw in more first-round picks. Sure, no problem. But the last couple of years, he has not proven durable, stayed healthy. The, the Ravens are uh, unwilling to pay him despite everything he's done there. That 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 is weird to me. So it's that's a strange circumstance, but I would say no. I understand your point, and it's a good point. Like, guys like that are never available. And what is the point of trying to find Lamar or find Rodgers if you could bring that guy in? The, the problem for me is just the money. As I said, Mahomes this year was the first quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl, first team that ever won a Super Bowl with a guy making that kind of top-of-the-league money. It's just really hard when you pay that much at that position that 45, 50 mil. So like, I don't, I wouldn't do that for Rogers at this point either. He's doing his weird retreat stuff. And, and <laughs> like, I, I, I can't count on him. And he won two MVPs in the last three years. And I was just going to say, Grant, you actually made a point I've been making for the last couple of weeks. I feel like as a Washington fan right now, we're actually in a pretty good, no lose situation in a sense with going into it with Sam Howe. Cause if you think about it, let's say Sam Howe, surprises us and he's the guy cool you just identified a quarterback but if sam howell is bad and he's the fifth round pick that everyone thinks he was in a weak quarterback draft maybe you're bad enough to draft a drake may or a caleb williams in next year's draft like you're in a good position going into next year so my thing with this is you know with the ron situation i'm not letting them go into a situation handicapping the next staff if they don't get this right because you are like you said the Dwayne haskins situation and plenty other situations beforehand you've handicapped incoming staffs you know and that seems like the inevitable option at this point with ron even with eric the a lot of people probably expect this to be a one-year deal unless eric the has makes miracles happen with this office and has to you have to extend them or force the next ownership group to extend you but if not you know, if you know, the likely option is you're probably not going to get this right, maybe, but you're not handicapping anyone after you. And as a Washington fan, I know Ron can't think about that, but as a Washington fan, I think that's a better situation to be in. Well, totally, but also the quarterback's perspective, right? So you're looking at it more from like the coach's handicap. It also makes it really hard for the quarterback to develop, you know, for like Haskins in that situation has now essentially been with two staffs that that weren't sold on him or didn't want him, you could say, or what, or didn't pick him at least because Jay, you know, Jay Gruden was kind of dictated to from Dan. So are you, do you know, move, moving mountains, doing everything you need to do to make that work? And then you say the same thing about the next staff where they're going, well, look, you know, I brought in Kyle Allen. I traded a five for him or I kind of like a veteran, Alex Smith, whatever it is. But it's not fair to the quarterbacks either. And I know this isn't a fair league, but my point is just, you know, let's just use Anthony Richardson and say somehow he fell to 16, which I don't think is happening. If you take him there, knowing he probably isn't going to start till halfway through the year or whatever, then Ron's blown out and you hire, I'm just going to make somebody up, but like, let's say Ben Johnson, the coordinator for the Lions, like next year. What if Ben Johnson watches the film and he's just like, ah, just Richardson's not my guy. He's just going in a different direction. And yes, it's, it's you know, and he... He's now, as a coach, at a disadvantage because he's got this quarterback he may not want. But what about the player, man? Like, Richardson is screwed because he's going into his second year with two offenses. You never know what these guys become when they're in a different offense every year for their first three years. So I've just never liked – and it's what losing teams do, honestly. They're the teams with the turnover. They're the teams that are picking high enough to get the quarterbacks. If it's not aligned, you get these situations. 
and the way it should work, and it's just never worked this way here, not one time, because we don't here we don't do the GM thing, but right. a, a GM should pick a coach, and a coach should pick a player, and there should be like a vision all the way down. And not one time in my entire life has this team ever tried it that way. And it, it kills me, but that's theoretically how it should work. You don't count Bruce Allen to Jay Gruden? <laughs> <laughs> not really. I mean, now remember, Bruce was a GM in it for a short time, but Bruce was a team president. Like, Bruce was not a football guy. He, he punted at Richmond and claimed himself to be a football guy. But Bruce was, you know, he was a business guy. And he he had GM title responsibility before he came here. But he wasn't like, you know, scouting players and holding meetings the way that, you know, you, you want. You want, um, even in a coach-centric approach, the Chiefs have a coach-centric model. Veach is heavily involved, their GM. You know, they've got a guy. It's not like Andy Reid's just walking around with his chest out telling everyone what to do. You know, you need just more voices, more expertise. I don't love the structure right now. Um, but... You know, they, they haven't tried it. The, the one thing they've never really tried is the GM with the power, picking the coach, picking the quarterback. Hopefully one day. We'll see. I got a couple more BNME questions for you. And again, Grant, appreciate your time, big dog. Um, So what would look like success for Washington on the offensive side of the football? Just strictly off of the BNME hire, we can make the assumptions that they'll do the upgrades. To what extent you can – Leave that up to your imagination, but they'll make the upgrades on offensive line. Uh, they'll figure something out at, at tight end, whatever, like all those assumptions in, inserted in your answer. Um, but but what does success look like from uh, just hiring the enemy alone, given that Washington was what, like 25th or around 25th, bottom third of the league in offense last year? What do you think yeah. the enemy can do, do for this side? It- They've been 28 or lower two of the last three years. So first of all, I'll say it's about how for me. I really believe that. I mean, if if Sam Howell develops, looks like a legitimate NFL quarterback, that's a massive win. To me, your offensive staff, collectively, coordinator, but specifically the staff, like it's about the, when, you, when you're talking about a, a quarterback with one start, basically a rookie, it's about that guy's development. So like number one, most important position for me, how does Howell play? Now, how might and he might not be good. Like it's you can't make filet mignon at a hamburger helper, right? I'm not going to yeah. solely base them on Sam Howell, but I do think you have to make him better, right? So whatever his baseline is, what we see from him in the Dallas game in week one, two, three next year, by week 15, you want to see the the growth and the progression going up. So that's the number one thing I'll, I'll kind of judge the enemy by. But I, I think the answer is they've got to be a a top. 20 offense probably you know ideally they've got to uh, fix some of their red zone problems they got to do a better job scoring after they move the ball um, which has been a real issue the last couple years as you guys know they were bottom seven I think it is in the league in both red zone and goal to go each the last two years Uh, I think that's what I'm most excited about about this hire with the enemy because Andy Reid always gave him a lot of credit for a lot of the trickeration and stuff they did at the goal line and like my favorite thing about the Chiefs offense is their, their stuff, their packages inside the 10, what they do inside the five, a lot of the goal line stuff that they run. Um, so I would say, uh, number one, it's, it's developing Hal and getting, you know, squeezing every drop out of that orange, if you will. And then, like, just improving the offense. That That, that is statistical. That's analytical. Yeah. But, you know, instead of being 28th, 30th, where they've been the last couple of years, two of the last three years, 
they've been bad really dating back to 2018 ish you know really bottom seven bottom five at times i, I want to see them crack the top 20 in and what do i care about i care about yards per play as a metric more than yards per game i care about uh red zone offense um you know time of possession is nice but we've seen you could be number one number two in time of possession you don't score any points what's the difference so i, I really think they got to get better in the red area they got to get more chunks and explosives you know the two teams in the nfl that led the league in uh in the most completions of 25 plus last year were the chiefs and the eagles and it's not a coincidence they played in the super bowl it's like th- those are the metrics i'm looking for if he can bring some of that with him pack it in his bag and, and bring it here from kc i think it's a huge win and he'll be a head coach next year you know it sucks for him i, I don't think he should have had to leave to get the job but i mean here we are talking he's an oc in washington so that, that's what it took but if they have a year where they rank like 18th and how it looks like he's really developing into a guy who could be a starter moving forward. Eric Bienomi will be gone. He'll be a head coach. And that's why I'm really interested to see who he hires because they need some continuity on the staff with how, you know, maybe one of these two guys is interviewing today, uh, Greg Lewis, or, um, you know, the, uh, they're interviewing a, a possible coordinating candidate coming from Stanford in the future. Like they, they need to have some holdovers, even if Bienomi leaves to be a head coach, hopefully, who can stay here so that how can continue to develop if it does work. I think, I think the holdover is being You think he stays? I think, I think he was interjected here to, I don't want to say succession plan, but I feel like whoever's bidding for the team also has interest in him and being able to work with him hands-on. Um, there's, I, I just don't see that commitment to him. Yeah, I understand it's a two-year contract or something of that nature, but I, I got to feel like there's somebody telling him that you have a real shot here. Because even uh, his his um, his agent uh, also represents Eric Stokes, part of the, the player personnel department, managing the cap and stuff. There's a lot of connections there. Uh, I think – he feels that there is a real possibility he could become the head coach of the Washington Commanders. And I think that's what also interested him into the job, but also the financial security uh, that wasn't being provided to him with the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, yeah, the Super Bowls are cool and everything, but Super Bowls don't feed your family at the end of the day. You still need that real money. Um, I think that's also a luring fact that a lot of people are missing from, from this uh, situation. Um, that's that's genuinely how I feel about the the situation. I, I don't see him thinking that he may not be the head coach overall. It may not come out and you'll be at the presser tomorrow. I don't think maybe maybe you can ask that since we won't be at the presser. I don't know what you already have dialed up to to ask tomorrow, but you know, I think that it was more than just getting away from Kansas City and this being the landing spot. I think when you put two and two together, ownership group changing and an ownership group possibly coming in, being able to get familiar with him hands on could lead to him getting this job. Because in my opinion, I don't think there's any way in hell that Ron Rivera can even save his job. I think he's gone no matter what. I mean, I think he's going to have to just win. Right. I mean, just to keep his like Mm -hmm. you're not going to blow him out if you're a new owner. If he wins 11 games, let's say, like they go 11 and six and well, forget regular season wins. If they win a playoff game, I think it'll be hard to to get rid of him. You know, if they go 10 or 11 wins in the regular year and they lose first round, 
I still don't think they would get rid of him, but it's possible. But like, if he wins a playoff game, I think he stays. But to your point on the enemy, I've I've been of the belief that I don't really see this as a successor plan. But here's how I could see him being their next head coach potentially, even if it's unrealistic in my mind. But I, I kind of get where you're going. Is like, let's just say their offense is awesome this year, but they don't win a whole lot, or their offense is a lot better, and the enemy is kind of the toast of the town or beloved because he's fixed some things and he's got how going in the right direction, but their defense, let's say they, uh, I'm just going to kind of hype, hype, uh, hypothesize a little bit. Like they, they trade Durant thing and, or someone goes down, whatever, and takes a step back. And we just get to a point where they're like nine and eight again, whatever it is, but their offense made major strides. I could then see, okay, you move on from Rivera. You're going to interview the enemy. And maybe at that point he gets the job because it's the enemy versus a bunch of dudes that are coordinators. The enemy's already been here. He, he's the answer because Hal's made strides and like you want to keep him and Hal together and you've got your quarterback and your coach together for the future. Like that's the case I would sell if you asked me what's the path for the enemy. I still would bet against it because you guys know this. Like when someone takes over something, they want to bring all their own dudes and people in. Yeah. You know, if someone took over our radio station tomorrow, I'd be like, all right, well, it was a good run. Like they're they're just gonna bring all their own folks that they know and they like, and and people have lists. So when they get the job, well, I'm gonna call this guy. If, if y'all, you know, had a, um, you know, uh, got a TV gig or whatever, you're gonna hit each other up and be like, let's do a segment, let's talk commanders. So I I just think whoever the owner is probably already has guys that they have always thought they'd want to hire. That's how it works. But I, I can see it if the enemy's offense is really good this year. And the team isn't that good. Like, to me, that's how it would happen. Yeah, I mean, I definitely expect new ownership to clean house, like you stated. I just think that it'll allow them to have that hands-on opportunity with Eric Bieniemy. I just think that it's a, like Dre mentioned earlier, I think it's a very interesting hire by Ron Rivera and possibly being used as a shield because we know when he took on this job, like, things were kind of clicking between Kevin O'Connell and, and Dwayne Haskins. He he said, forget all of that. I'm bringing in my guy. And everyone that he's ever worked with on a coaching staff, whether it be in Carolina and Washington, have been his guys. This is the first hire that really is Screw not Jack. his guy. I mean, that was still his guy from growing up in, in California together. Like, they were the top players mm-hmm. in the nation in high school. So they had a rapport. He doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily have a rapport with Eric Bieniemy. He has a rapport with, with Andy Reid. Andy but this is the first person – kind of in in his tenureship that hasn't been one of his guys. I mean, uh, uh, a person that stayed over from the other uh, regime under Gruden was Randy Jordan, but he's a running backs coach, and he's one of the top running back coaches in the NFL, so you really couldn't do any better. But I'm curious to see how their personalities work together. Oh, totally. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see. I just hope they let him do his thing. Like, I want, you know, you hired Eric Bieniemy. let him be Eric Bieniemy. You know, I, I hope they don't step on toes or dictate terms. I hope they're not sliding any kind of philosophy stuff toward him, you know, on a sheet of paper. Here's what we like. Here's what we don't like. <laughs> no, nah, let, let him do him. You know, he, it's fourth quarter. He, go ahead and run the ball. Don't, don't <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, the thing is, like, uh, what I would say if I was Eric Bieniemy is you came to me. You know, I, I didn't come. I was busy having a parade. I was doing a Super Bowl dance with Pat Mahomes on a bus drinking beers. You came to me. You want my help. Let me help you. 
and and use each other. I mean, he he's not here because he loves uh, the organization and or the fan base, or he, you know, he wants to lead us to the promised land. He's here to get a head coaching job. If he gets the head coaching job, it means he did a really good job here. So use him, who, who's on his own path, and then he can use you too because you need the same thing. You need someone to fix your offense and help your young quarterback. So I, I think it's a, a marriage of convenience kind of, if you will. And, and as far as Ron going outside the, the comfort zone, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think that's a sign, though. I don't want to say of desperation, but it is a sign that he knows the clock's ticking. Like, he doesn't really have the time to just sit back with his feet up and hope his guys deliver for him. It's it's now. It's got to be now. And he, he knew that. And I think that's why he kind of swung for the fences a little bit. Grant, um, I appreciate the time. Uh, this was this was very, very good. Very good conversation uh, and very insightful, man. I, I want to give you the floor uh, for, for plug talk and just let everybody know uh, everything that you got going on. Uh, the floor is yours. Anything and everything. Grant Paulson, where can they find you? I appreciate you guys. Yeah, uh, no, we got the show every day, 2 to 6.30 on 106.7 The Fan, myself and Danny, so you can check us out there. Uh, we talk a ton of commanders, obviously, and I'm on Twitter as well, on social media, at Grant H. Paulson. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, uh, appreciate you guys, man. That was fun. Thank you, Grant. Appreciate yeah, you, Grant, for taking the yeah, time absolutely. out. Uh, Could you give us a preview of one of your presser questions tomorrow? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. You know, it's one of those things with a presser like tomorrow, because when I was on the beat, it was it was a different world. So I was on the beat for the, the four seasons, really, of the Shanahan era. So when you're on the beat, you kind of sit up front, you know, the order. There's like a handful, several of us, maybe like five to eight or nine people that kind of in the same order get those questions. So now yeah. that I'm no longer on the beat and I, I'm kind of a studio radio guy, I got to kind of sit back and wait and see what doesn't get asked and read and react. So normally I end up either following up on something that kind of catches my ear or, um, or if something drops through the cracks, but yeah, I would say what I'm really curious about is if you're Eric B how does your offense and your vision of offense differ from Andy Reed? Like we mm -hmm. all assume that he is just like Reed 2.0 or some Reed disciple but it, just because he worked with a guy doesn't mean they see everything the same way. Like, what is, in your vision, what do you want to add? What, what are things that you view differently than Reed? Uh, everyone just thinks it's going to be like, oh, well, he and Andy have to view it. No, like, he might want to run the ball more. He might want to get under center more. He might like certain looks, you know, or, or ways of setting things up in the passing game that Reed doesn't necessarily major in. That's kind of what I'm really interested in right now, depending on, kind of how the presser goes. Absolutely. That's an amazing great. question. Yeah, it really is. You, might want, you <laughs> might want to write that down. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, like I said, man, it's, you know, it, it, the, these these press conferences, like, I, I don't go, I got out to Ashburn for as many of the early ones as I can because a lot of them now are in the afternoon during my show, so I can't even make it. But it's gotten harder in season because unless everyone, you know, they're passing the mic or, it's kind of structured where you're in person. It's gotten easier for people to not answer questions on Zoom and everything because you just kind of keep it moving. So it's like there's no follow-ups. There's no like second. Uh, it's it's literally know. one question or exactly. two, however many you have, and then move on to the next person. It's totally, yeah. And when I was, uh, it sounds like it was 50 years ago, but when I was on the beat, like we're, we're in person, you got the mic, and like they got to answer your question. If they don't answer it, 
you can follow up. And like, I'm not giving up the mic yet. Like you haven't said what I need you to, you know, what, what, what you haven't answered my question. Like, so it, it has changed a lot over the years, but tomorrow will be, I think it'll be really fun because it's a good one. Like there are so many of these that you're pressing and you're asking tough questions and they can be difficult because they haven't thrived. They haven't succeeded, whatever. This is a good day for the org. This is a good day for the team, for Rivera, and hopefully for Bienemy. I mean, I want to see this guy be a head coach. I want, you know, he's earned it. He, he's been the coordinator of arguably the best offense in the league for five years. Like, he deserves an opportunity to show uh, what he can do without Andy Reid. And it, I'm not, you know, it sucks that it's got to be as a coordinator, but it's, you know, selfishly, it's kind of our gain as a city here in D.C. I'm in the same boat. Um, look, it, I hundred a thousand percent disagree with how he how he's been treated over the past at least three years, like two years, understandable, but three years, um, five years total is one thing. But if you got to prove it in Washington, it's look, it's close to home. Let's figure it out. <laughs> let's let's find yeah. something hey, that we can all root right. for. And, and like, how, here's for. the thing I don't get. Like, okay, he has what is it? Sixteen interviews, I guess, is the number or whatever. Uh, yeah, oh. uh, fifteen. Yeah, fifteen. 15. Only one of them this year, right? The coach. For head coaching, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, coach was yeah, this year. Yeah, it was one. It was yeah. with the coach but, this year. But but it was only one. So like, he's not like. Why wasn't he even getting interviews anymore? I don't know if it's because it was the same teams he's already interviewed with, like a couple years later, or maybe the Texans might have said, "Hey, will you interview?" And he's like, "No, kick rocks. I, I don't want to deal with you." But like, to me, the fact that how does Eric Bieniemy, as the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, not have five interviews this offseason now again i i don't know what i don't know and maybe he did just tell teams no or he was being more selective because he felt like processes in the past weren't fair or whatever but it that is crazy to me you know that you would get one interview with his resume this entire cycle it's like a lot of people focus on that he didn't get a job and while i i agree that he should have at some point like by and large most of the people that got jobs were very qualified whatever uh, there, there are some Jeff Saturdays in there that make no sense to me um, as an interim head coach, among others. But like the fact that he had one interview, I, I just can't wrap my brain around that. Like, I cannot figure that out. Um, but hey, man, Grant, if, if, if the Leslie, commander's offense is good this year, he won't have to worry about it again. Leslie Frazier, who has led the Buffalo Bills with a top defense, had no interviews. Yeah. This cycle. that's where it's just it's all a head scratching no so you don't need me to tell you like obviously race is a factor there's no doubt and i I would i don't know i won't speak for you guys there's no doubt in my mind i I don't think it's the end all be all with a guy like leslie i think age is working against him too right like i agree 100 percent ageism uh and i was from a, a a former nba uh wnba athlete i listened to this this podcast and she mentioned one of the first things uh, she thought about racism, but she thought ageism played a part. Same thing with Jim Caldwell. And, and yes. I think these are some factors that that really hinder these guys, because if you think about the mold of what a head coach head coach looks like nowadays, it's the, the young Sean McVay's like that totally. was a wave of, of people that was coming in that 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 molded a Sean McVay. They were young. They were under 40 uh, and, and they they had this genius offensive mind. But you got people in Leslie Frazier. You got people in Jim Caldwell who's proven that they can they're they're clearly functional as head coaches and they they produced as head coaches, uh, not even getting interviews. No, so like would Andy Reid like pass the eye test? Andy Reid is on that level with like your Kyles and your Sean McVeighs, and but no one thinks about him that way. 
He's a much older dude, right? But he's as sharp offensively, as gifted as there is in the league. He's not the the cut up, fresh out of the gym, you know, manicured beard like Cliff Kingsbury <laughs> dude. So like he's not Got seen the same too. way. But it, it's a thing. But like, do like would Eric Bieniemy have a job in my opinion a couple of years ago if if he was a white coordinator? I do believe that. Yes, I do think with some of these older guys. Uh, like Vic Fangio is a good example. I never understood why Vic Fangio wasn't getting interviews. Now, eventually he got that Broncos job. They were pretty competitive, but never figured it out on offense. Obviously they go offensive this past year and they get way worse. Right. But like, I, I just think at that, you get to an age, like, I don't know how old you, you guys might know. How old is this dude? Lou Anaromo, the, um, the, the coordinator for the Bengals. Like how does no one ever talk about that guy as a head coach? That's a good now, question. He, I, think maybe he's, he's I think he's close to 60. He's probably like, is he really? 50, I think so, he's like so, 58, maybe. Okay. So, like, that dude to me. That's just off the I, top of my head. I, 56. Never, what is he? 56. Like, how how does he not get it? Like, to me, he's similar to Leslie Frazier, right? Where it's like these championship-level programs, good cultures. Obviously, Leslie has been a head coach in the past. I remember he was with maybe the Vikings when I was at the Senior Bowl covering him. He's an awesome dude, by the way. Um but, like, in is another guy, like, in that Fangio, in that Frazier mold where I think people are looking for, like, Brandon Staley, you know, who's, like, 29. I guess he's older than that, like, 39 or whatever. But that's a part of it, and I'm guilty of it because I'm always – like, when I'm putting together lists of, co- like, who I want the commanders to interview, for like, Ben Johnson's on my list, or um, I might throw, like, you know, these super young coordinators on there. But it's like – I would have slept on Andy Reid, you know, or, or whoever might be out there just because they're, you know, they've been in the game a long time. You, you almost think you got to be young to have fresh ideas, but that's not always the case. I'm with you. Um, I'm with you. Like it, mine's, mine's work uh, in, in several, in many different ways, but, but all can be productive. Uh, Grant, matter of fact, AJ Dre, are, are we good? Um, before we get out of here, I don't know if you had any last last questions. You'll be good, man. Just looking forward to uh, having a Grant ask that question <laughs> to Eric Bieniemy tomorrow. Uh, once again, man, we appreciate your time for being on the show and providing your perspective. Uh, definitely had a, a great time mm-hmm. with you being here, and uh, hopefully, maybe mm-hmm. we can do this again next month after free agency. Yeah, well, man, maybe we have a new owner. We 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 don't really like to t- touch on the ownership stuff too yeah. much here because it's like it, nobody really knows. Like it's just up in the air. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. We talk about it all day, and it's just a lot of you know. We'll have one guest on one hour, and they'll be like, "Oh, my sources are telling me he's selling in the next three weeks." And me and Danny are like high fiving each other and like getting ready to pound a beer, right? And then the well, the guy on next segment, he's like, yeah, he's never going to sell. My source is <laughs> tough. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, everyone's just kind of talking to, who, you know, different people. And Chris, that's Chris Broussard with the sources. That's right. <laughs> you got there. It's saucy. Hey, hey, look, man, don't let, don't, let these, don't let these guys stress you out, Grant. You know what I'm saying? Just keep on keep – on, see, the easiest thing that we do is just stick to football. <laughs> that's literally what we do. Hey, that, that's the beautiful way to do it. Uh, yeah, man. But uh, take care, boss, man. Again, appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. All that good stuff. Uh, and we'll be in touch. Yeah, be good, guys. Thanks. Yes, sir. All right. Um, so there we go with Grant Paulson. Fellas, um, excellent show. Excellent interview. Everybody that's still here, man, make sure that like button. Make sure that subscribe button if you haven't done so. Um, we definitely appreciate that. 
any last word before we get up out of here, man? We good. I, I think um, it's, it's as good as it gets with the enemy if, if we want to wrap things up. It's as good as it's going to get. Um, you don't know. You can't predict the, the future. But um, I would rather I would rather be bad with the enemy than go in there with uh, uh, Zampezi or or the other old head quarterbacks. And I hate that we just we just got done talking about ageism, but you get it. Like I, I wouldn't stay away from them. Let me get the guy that's unproven to have a chance to prove himself here. And I'd rather go down in the ship with that. Uh, but I'm hoping that it's far from that in terms of results. And and I agree, Jamal, because like I said, this at least shows that Ron has a pulse. Like he's going out swinging. Like he's not just laying down and saying, "All right, he, like, he could have like easily." Yeah, and he could have easily just hired or promoted Ken Zampezi, and that would have just been a really lazy hire that a lot of people would have expected going into a uncertain year where you don't know what ownership's going to be. He could have just hired Ken Zampezi and said, hey, it's going to be what it's going to be. I'm going to go out and I'm just going to lay here. But he went out swinging. This is a home run swing. We don't know if it's a home run hit, but it was a home run swing. And we are all rooting for it. It's, it's, it's easy to root for the enemy. I mean, even, you know, of course, us being minorities, people are of color. You know, we're going to root for Eric Bien enemy regardless. But it's it just makes everyone want to see the underdog win because Eric Bien enemy does feel like the underdog now. So now, you know, we even got guys like AJ rooting for Ron Rivera because if he's rooting for Eric Bien enemy, he's rooting whoa, for Ron whoa, Rivera. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> hey, rooting for whoa. the success of Eric Bien enemy is rooting for Ron Rivera right now, AJ. Not at all, but hey. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you can't get any worse than what the offense was. I think we finally get to see an NFL offense in comparison to Jay Gruden, but it's it's completely different. You got a coach that's going to be coming in here that's going to, you know, scheme and prepare his guys for the team that they're facing and not force feed his damn scheme. Like, that's, that's the biggest thing I'm looking forward to. I don't know how many wins is going to uh, result to because Sam Howe is still the quarterback. Uh, as of right now, I'm hoping that that changes. I'm I'm actually, uh, you know, talking to God every other night. You know, hey, man, bless us with Lamar Jackson. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting ride. And I, I hope that uh, this is captured through hard knocks. I really feel like this also is going to be a hard knock season for the Washington Commanders. I would love um, that. It's so much storylines to it, whether it be from Ron being, you know, a lame duck, Eric Bieniemy showing off his his personality, Sam Howe, if he is QB1. I uh, just hope that it's captured on, on TV for us to get an even more in-depth look at it, uh, aside from just, you know, waiting for beat, repro- uh, beat reporters to provide that content throughout training camp. Well, you know, hey. that's funny that we, one more thing before we go, AJ mentioning the hard knocks and our fans for the longest time were always so against hard knocks. And their main thing was it's going to be a distraction. What the hell is hard knocks distracting around here? Are they distracting this dynasty? Are they distracting this winning? Hard knocks isn't distracting nothing around here. Please give me hard knocks. I would love more access to my team. I would like to see them more in depth. They're not distracting anything. Maybe they'll start. Maybe they'll make us distract us in the winning. How about that? <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, I want that. I want that end season one, man. That's that's the one I want. Give me, give me oh, the end season one. The, you know, the hey, end, saw, the end season one gonna be brutal. If that that's gonna be that going nice. crazy. I don't bro. even. I don't even think Ron Rivera would make it to the end season. Hey, I need that end like, season jump, boy. I was going crazy is, is watching wrong. the Cardinals jump, bro. I was sexing y'all. I was like, hey, this man Cliff. Hey, I can't wait, bro. They was it was terrible, bro. You <laughs> could you was, could just tell that he knew he was getting fired. He was over that job, like. The look on his face, even after games, when he entered the locker room, he was just so dejected. He was just yeah, like, people closing out hey, the huddles, closing out the yeah, everything. Hey, go on here. And he just he just go back to his home by himself. No dog, no cat, no woman, no cheeks in sight. Just just an <laughs> iPad and a MacBook and an Nothing. iPhone and an Apple Nothing, TV bro. and an Apple Watch <laughs> and a and a decent view, bro. That's it. That's all he had. That's all he had. Life. <laughs> oh my lord! Hey, but that's gonna wrap it up for us, man. Um, new schedule for everybody that's still here and and, and that that is listening. New schedule will be back out. Uh, podcast will be out on Monday nights. Um, we are going live streams. Our live streams will be on Mondays as well. So I know our, our my schedule has been fluctuating in terms of going live. So uh, we're gonna try and stick on the Monday schedule for the time being. I guess that's the safe, the blanket uh, for the time being is, is Mondays. Um, so, yeah, fellas, y'all be safe. Uh, AJ, I'll probably check in with you tomorrow. If if you do pop out, uh, I'll probably check in with you tomorrow because uh, these we'll boys over here look like they hmm? – We'll be out. I said we'll be out for sure. So. All right. Yes, okay, but then. So I'm going to see what I'm see these boys talking about then. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes, we out of here, man. Y'all be safe. Take it easy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Watch him throw the ball, we gon' pick it off You gon' let him hit the hole or you gon' cut it off You gon' play through fourth and long or you gon' punt it off Your defenders have you hit us, put your pads in Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in Keep the helmet on, keep the cleats tight You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive, this is Trap or Die You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.